remain in me and my word remains in you, you'll bear much fruit. And apart from me, you can do nothing. So what a great truth to celebrate. Well, if you grew up in, uh, you know, perhaps you heard this nursery rhyme somewhere along the way. And it goes like this, and there are visual aids. Here's the church. Here's the steeple. Open the door and here's all the people. Now that it's cute, it's kind of nice, and it's a, a fun thing to play with kids about, but it's not actually true. It's not actually true because, you see, the church, the building, is not actually the church. And we affirm that multiple times here. The word we translate as church in our, our New Testament is the word ecclesia. And I'm not trying to lord Greek over anybody, but it, you know, in, in essence it means the assembly, the people. Literally it means the called out ones. The called out ones. It's just as First Peter talks about that uh, in chapter 2 verse 9 that We've been called out of darkness into his marvelous light. So if the church building burns down, the church itself has not been harmed. It's a building. It's a setback. But it's not the church. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. And I will say, let's just say the tragedy would happen that an actual congregation in a building would, would die and perish with that building. Still, the church is much bigger. It's much bigger than one congregation. But today, I do want to focus on that local body. That local body. For whom Jesus died. Where the Holy Spirit indwells. You see, it's in the local body that so often Jesus wants to meet us. You know, and as I was preparing for this, I was, I was looking and saying, well, where do we first actually see the term, the body of Christ, not referring to Jesus' physical body, but a corporate body of believers? It's actually found in Romans chapter 12, verses 4 and 5. For just as us, for just as each of us has one body with many members, and each of these members do not have the same function, so we in Christ, though many, form one body. And each member belongs to all the others. So we see this concept of the corporate body of Christ. And by the way, that word corpus is, corporate comes from the word corpus, which means body as well. So when we talk about corpus Christi, in, in Latin it's the body of Christ and we see that concept in many uh, passages here in Romans 12, uh, Romans, uh, 1 Corinthians um, 12 through, uh, chapters 12 through 14, Pete read from that, Ephesians 4, Colossians 3. That, that whole concept is, is filled out. Very, it's, it's given flesh. But this is probably through, true throughout history. But society loves to poke fun at the church, 
to give it a black eye and to point out its many failings. And, and the truth of the matter is I'm not going to deny there are failings in the church. And we fail most often when we fail to take Jesus and his words seriously. When we decide, oh no, I'm the exception to what you're saying, Jesus. So we, we couldn't possibly do this. We, possibly, we couldn't turn our cheek. We couldn't possibly do this because we don't take Jesus seriously by faith. And that's where the church does go awry. But even many believers, as they point out the failures of the church, they're quick to wonder, well, is, it's, it seems to be cool to, to question the relevancy of the church, of the body of Christ. Is it working? Is it relevant? Perhaps we need to blow it up and, and find some new individual path. But I will venture to say that while there are shortcomings of the church, and we say that these things ought not be at times, we fail to see the big picture. The process that our Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior, is taking His people through. And that it's through the church, the body of Christ, that again, He wants to work in us and accomplish His purposes, both individually and as a corporate body. We're in a series talking about being gospel people. and started with gospel people and race. And then we talked about gospel people and what they live for. We talked about gospel people and what they're shaped by. Alex preached about what gospel people pursue. And last week I talked about what gospel people want for others. But one of the components of the gospel is actually, or the good news, is the local body that Jesus brings us into to be ministered to. A place where we can grow and receive from Him. And it's my contention that when we purposely exclude ourselves from His body, from His church, we're cutting ourselves off. We're cutting ourselves off on how Jesus wants to meet us, wants to minister to us, and minister through us. And we're excluding ourselves from some of the good news that Jesus has for us. Some of the goodness. So, Gospel people should love the church, should love the body of Christ. So before I dig into this, let me pray for us, and then we'll look into this in God's Word. So Lord, I am grateful for your church. It's a place where I've been ministered to in so many ways, and though it's not perfect because it doesn't have perfect people in it, I'm so grateful for the grace and the growth I've received in it. So I pray, Lord, that you would take what I've prepared today and edit out what's not of you. And again, Lord, help shine forth what is from you that you want to impress upon our hearts. It is your body. And Lord, we want you to be glorified in it. So Lord Jesus, it's in your precious name I pray these things. Amen. Now, first of all, disclaimer I'm not going to cover everything that the Scriptures has to say about the body of Christ. But there's some main things I want to, want to point to today. And I'm 55 years old. As I look back on my life, I have been a part of eight different local bodies. Isn't that crazy? Eight. 
I've been a part of six different uh, Bible-believing, gospel-preaching denominations, and the one that we did leave, we left because they stopped preaching the gospel. They stopped telling people that they were lost without Jesus. And not, it was not a judgment on the, on the, the people, but we're saying, you're not giving people the good news. They can't be found unless they know they're lost. So, I've lived in seven different places, and that's not including short-term missions. I've lived in four different states. But the beautiful thing is each place God has given me, and then when I got married and had a family, given me a body to call home to be a part of the family of God. And so, gospel people should love the church, should love the body of Christ, because number one, it's what Jesus makes. The body of Christ is what Jesus makes. Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. He's talking to the Apostle Peter after. He's given his confession. Who do people say that I am? And he says, you are the Christ, the Son of God. And so Jesus responds, And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell of Hades will not overcome it. So here's what I want you to understand. Contextually, Jesus is not saying, Peter, I'm going to base my whole church on you, your person. It's based upon your confession, that truth, that I am the Christ. I am the Son of God. Not based on a person, but on a profession. So again, the church is not a building. It's what Jesus is building in his people. And Peter picks this this metaphor up, actually this building metaphor up, in his own epistle, 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4-5. through 5. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, an offering offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Now this is the worship of language. And part of what Peter is pointing to is a transition that's gone from the presence of the living God dwelling in the, the temple in Jerusalem. Now he dwells in the believers, the followers of Jesus Christ, in their bodies And the sacrifices they offer up is their life of worship to Him. And He will say this in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, uh, in verses 15 and 16, that you are members of Christ's body. And then in chapter, in verse uh, 19, that your body is the, is the, the temple of the Holy Spirit. And He's being very serious about how we have to conduct ourselves morally, not in sexual immorality, because you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. But this is not true of just individuals. It's true corporately. It's what Jesus is building. His Holy Spirit is here because He's in each one of you today. And you know what else? Jesus personally identifies 
with his church. He says, when you do it to one of my people, when you do it to my people, you're doing it to me. That's what happened in Acts chapter 9 as Saul of Tarsus persecuted the church and Jesus arrests him on the road to Damascus in chapter 9 and he says to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Saul wasn't physically persecuting Jesus personally, but he was persecuting his church. And Jesus says, look, when you do it to them, you do it to me. Why do you persecute me? It's my body. And I can't help but think that this encounter with Jesus actually helps shape Paul's theology of the body of Christ, his understanding. In Ephesians 4, another classic chapter about Jesus' body, he says in chapter 4, verses 4 through 6, there is one, one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all, through all, and in all. There's one body. There's one body. And Jesus has established it. He has built it. Now if we switch metaphors one more time about what Jesus is building. The church is Jesus' bride that he purifies. And actually in the next chapter in Ephesians, he says this. He says, husbands, love your wives just as Christ, excuse, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy and cleanse, cleansing her by washing through the water, through the word. You see, Jesus is preparing his bride to dwell with him forever. He's come to cleanse her initially, and he's working in her right now. The church is what Jesus is building. If Jesus is saying that the church is my bride, we better be careful about how we talk about another man's wife. Be careful about what we say. And by the way, that is one of the reasons why God says, I hate divorce. And I'm not here to uh, shame anyone or make review pain uh, if you've gone through a divorce. I know it's a terrible, painful thing. But everything about divorce is anti to what, who, what Christ is. In divorce, you lose fidelity. In divorce, you lose forgiveness. In divorce, you lose compassion and empathy. In divorce, you lose commitment. In divorce, you lose selfish, selflessness. In divorce, you lose acceptance. The church is Jesus' bride. 
That's what he's building. The church, again, is what Jesus is building. It's a vessel to proclaim the gospel. A vessel to make disciples. A vessel to hold up the infallible word of God. It's a vessel for the people of God to be a family. Now let me say there are many fine ministries out there. Many parachurch organizations, many ministries that, that focus and minister to specific needs, and they're great. And I think it's, it's worth our time and, and finances to support them. But here's what I want to say specifically about the church. The church is the only institution that Jesus specifically instituted. And it is the principal vessel that carries God's people from cradle to grave. This is the body in which you are to live your spiritual journey with. So, again... The church is what Jesus is building. Number two, the church of the body of Christ is where Jesus ministers. And this is coming out of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 through 6a. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given us, each of us. You see, if you are in Christ, and I think you know this, you're not only a new creation, but you've been given gifts and talents and abilities that are unique, that are to be exercised in that body to minister to other members of the body who have gifts and talents that are unique. So that we can minister to one another, that we can function in a way we can't function if we're absent from one another. So much so that Paul says in this chapter again that we are members, we belong to one another. Each member belongs to all the other members. You belong to me, I belong to you. And when you or I withhold those gifts, or we actually remove ourselves from the body of Christ, we miss out about how Jesus wants to minister in and through his body to each other. It makes the body less healthy. And we start bumping into things, and we start limping along as a body, if you will. This is how he continues in chapter 12, verses 21 through 23. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are un unpresentable are treated with special modesty. Again, you and I have different gifts. 
we have different perspectives. And that is the beauty of the body. That diversity comes together in unity to accomplish his purposes. You know, the personalities of our, our office staff are all different and all bring to the table different gifts, different views. And I, I'm so grateful for the office staff. Myself, Pastor Alex, Christy Reynolds, Becky Atwood, each brings, you know, something to the table. And typically, Alex and I are the ones who are out front. But, you know, we'll go through something and, and, I'll, and I'll tell Becky and Christy especially, I said, you know, I, I couldn't do this without you. And they just go, yeah, we know. Because they're behind the scenes serving. They're giving me perspective. They're giving us perspective. Well, let me give you an, another example of, of the diversity in our body. Our elder board. Each one of the men that are on the board brings their specific gifts, specific talents, abilities. And they're not yes men. They're not yes men. They don't just go along with whatever, whatever Pastor Nathan says. No, we, we get in the ring and we talk about things and sometimes it's a little passionate. It's a little heated. But we're also committed to the gospel. We're committed to God's word. We're committed to this church and shepherding it in a healthy way. And we're committed to each other. And it is a beautiful thing. And sometimes, again, we, we've had some, some heated discussions, especially about this whole COVID thing and the masks and all those things. But at the end of the day, we are for each other. We are for Jesus. And we are for his kingdom. And we could not serve, the, we could not lead this church without each other. And it's just a small microcosm of what all you offer to the body. It's a beautiful thing. We need what each other brings to the table. And again, when we withhold that, we're less than what Jesus intended for Breen Community Church to be. And I know I'm probably preaching on the, on the backside of the same coin, but unity is not uniformity. Again, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Verses 14 through 20. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but many. Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being a part of the body. And if the ear would say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, think of that, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? In fact, Jesus has placed the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. Let me repeat that. He, in fact, God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the, would the body be? As it is, there are many parts and one body. I, I don't know if you see this, but Paul's actually trying to be humorous, talking about this big eye or this big ear. It kind of reminds me of the of the uh, old 
the chicken heart that ate New York story that Bill Cosby used to tell. This big, you know, thumping heart that came and ate New York. But in this world of comparison, of emphasis upon who gets the most face time or gets up front, it's easy sometimes, maybe if your gifts or your role is more in the background, to feel like you're not a part of the body. I want to tell you something. God, as, as Peter mentioned earlier, has been very gracious to us through this COVID-19 season. But I'll tell you what, we're, as a body, we're kind of limping right now. We're kind of limping. Because we don't have kids being ministered to in our children's ministry, in our nursery. And that's not just child care so the adults can pay attention. No, that's a place where they can hear about Jesus on their level. That's a special place. And we're trying to figure out how we can get back in that arena. And if that's something you're interested in for this fall, please let me know. Because we, we, we need to know what kind of resources we have as we go into this fall. But I feel like we're, we're just kind of limping right now in some of those areas. And so we want to get more members of the body back into the mix. You see, again, it's in the body of Christ with the diversity of gifts that He wants to meet you so that you can minister to others and others can minister to you. It's also in the body where Jesus wants to manifest Himself. Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 15. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Since as members of one body, you are called to peace. And be thankful. You know, before we put our faith in Christ, our greatest need is forgiveness. To be reconciled to Him. Acceptance and right standing before God. But guess what? When you put your faith in Christ... Yes, He gives you His righteous standing. And you are reconciled to Him. But His righteous character being played out, well, that's a work in progress that's going to take your whole lifetime. And so Jesus puts us into a body practically to learn how to love, to give, to forgive, and to be consistently reconciled to one another. See, because the truth is, when you hang out with somebody long enough, they might start doing some things that annoy you. Maybe some things that even offend you. Maybe some things that hurt you. We start to see each other's selfishness. We actually start to see our own selfishness. And some will be apologetic about it, and some are not. Some seem clueless. But again, what we just read is the, is the language of reconciliation. It's the language of grace and forgiveness to extend it practically to one another 
as Jesus has, has extended it to us. And if you think about it, it's actually a relief. Because it removes the myth of perfection. That you're going to come into this community where everyone's just going to have it all together and do it exactly right all the time. It takes the pressure off. That's not the reality of what the body of Christ is. It's kind of like marriage, honestly. Isn't it? Because in marriage, you, you kind of walk in with these grandiose ideas how wonderful it's going to be. And then the first year is like, oh, no. There's disappointment, perhaps a bit of disillusionment. And you know what? Every good marriage is made up of two good forgivers. That's what makes a good marriage. People who are committed to being reconciled to each other every day. And you see the ugly side of each other. You see them when they're grouchy or cantankerous. You see when they're being selfish. And sometimes that makes them even worse because they know that about themselves and they feel exposed and naked. But here's also the truth. That when you know that you're loved at your ugliest point, that's when you know you're really loved. It's not because you performed well. It's not because you jumped through the hoops. It's because you are loved. And grace has come to you. And the body of Christ is just like that, isn't it? Look, I, again, I just told you, I have been in the church from the cradle, and I'll be in the church, I'm sure, to the grave. And I have been hurt by members of the body, and I have hurt members of the body. But it's also beautiful to see the process of reconciliation. And by the way, if I have hurt you, please come and tell me. Because I want to be reconciled to you. I, I, there's nothing, I don't want there to be any hurt or distance between us. But that's the beauty of the body. The church is the place where you give and receive God's grace from one another. And actually you receive it from Christ. And within that, it's a place to grow. And this is my last point today. It's a place where Jesus matures us. Colossians chapter 3, verses 15 and 16. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. I know my time's up, but we're going to go a little longer. Yes, indeed, we do offer grace and forgiveness to one another. But we also love each other too much to allow us, each other, to live in the lies of the world, the flesh, and the devil. And so we will lovingly, humbly admonish one another with all wisdom that comes from God's Word. From Psalms. From hymns. And by the way, you know, when they were using hymns in those days, they were oftentimes truths, doctrinal truths to teach 
to teach the heart and to teach the congregation. There are multiple hymns in our New Testament, especially in the Apostle Paul's writings. Spiritual songs to teach the truth and to live in the truth and to do so with gratitude. You see, there are times when we do need to admonish each other. Saying, you know what? Brother, that, that's leading to destruction. Don't you see it? Or for someone to say, Nathan, that's not in accordance with God's Word. We admonish each other. Not out of trying to get in one-upsmanship, but out of living in the truth and living in love. <laughs> so, it's, it's in the very way that Jesus laid out His church that causes us to grow. Ephesians 4, verses 11 through 16. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for the works of service so that the body may be built up until we reach the unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful schemings. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ, from whom the whole body is joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So part of this is to grow up so that we're not easily deceived by the next flavor of the day, whether that's theologically or what's coming from uh, St. Paul or from the U.S. government. We speak the truth in love. Not loving to speak the truth, but speak the truth in love in order that the body might become mature. And we might become like Jesus who is our head. And becoming mature is not a lot, knowing having a lot of knowledge, biblical or theological, rather it is being transformed by the one who is the truth and starting to take that knowledge that we have and put it into practice, that it starts to affect our character how we act, how we behave, how we think. So we start to grow. And the body serves as a place to bring out the best in one another. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 through 25. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. It's doing life together. Doing life together. To spur one another on to love good, good deeds. Say, hey, yeah, this is a hard word, but we have the Holy Spirit within us. And let's go forward in faith and let's do it together. And you know what? A day is coming when Jesus will be here. Hang on. Hold on. And in the midst of that, if you're weeping, I will weep with you. And if you're rejoicing, I will rejoice 
with you. It's doing life together. But I'm going to continue to hold up the hope of who Jesus is. Even if we weep, we weep like those who still have hope. And we do have hope. And that's not wishful thinking. It is the, it is the certain return of our Lord Jesus Christ who will come and make everything new. You all know this. Life is challenging. It's hard. It's hard sometimes to get up and answer the bell every day, isn't it? But our Lord has not left us alone. And Satan, our enemy, you know how he operates? He's a roaring lion, and he tries to get us isolated. He tries to get us removed from the herd. Those people don't care about you. Those people are a bunch of hypocrites. Those people are all self-centered. He wants to get us removed from the herd in order to get us isolated so that he can consume us. But there's safety in numbers. Safety in numbers. Again, spurring one another on to love and good deeds. Meeting together. Encouraging one another even more as you see the day draw near. To grow up in him. to be present with one another, and sometimes even just to be there and listen. But that's what the body of Christ offers to us. Jesus has given us his body. It's what he's building. Again, it's a place to minister and to be ministered to. It's a place where his grace is manifest among us. And it's a place for us to mature, to be more like him. It is indeed part of his good news, part of his gospel. We should love what Jesus has given us. So at this moment, we're going to enter into a time of remembering that Jesus offered his physical body in order that we might be one in his body. If you've not had a chance to, to get your communion wafer, you might want to run out in the, the hallway and do that. 